sing I believe. I believe in the sun. I believe in the risen one. I believe I overcome by the power of his blood. Yeah. 
47 says, God reigns over all the nations, for he is seated on his holy throne. For the kings of the earth belong to God, and he is greatly exalted. You reign in all the earth, you reign in all the heavens, you're holy. You're seated on the throne, nothing can stand against you. I search the world, but it couldn't feel me. Man's empty praise and treasures of faith are never enough. Then you came along. Great. 
Well, good morning, church. How you guys doing? We're going to sing a new version of an old hymn, so let's stand and sing this together. How firm a foundation you saints of the Lord is laid for your faith in His excellent word. What more can He say? Oh 
guys thankful? You can take your seats. Hey, thanks. Thanks, Brendan, for leading us there in that new song. Hey, good morning, church. How are you guys doing today? Super good. I can see that some of you guys put on suntan lotion to come to church today. It's a little warm outside. It's okay. But we're glad that you guys are here. we got three announcements about babies, ladies, and men. Okay? So keep that in the right order. So the first one being about babies. Last week was our last week to collect the baby bottles. But if you still got some at home that are accruing change, you can still turn them into the office because we want to support Hope Pregnancy Clinic. So make sure to turn those in when you can. The second one is about the ladies. Ladies, we're going to do a Bible study. Yes. Okay. Oh, that was so exciting. So we are going to do a Bible study up in the chapel. It's going to be at 6.30, and it's going to start on the first Tuesday of this next month at 6.30. Now, at the same time, just to let you know, Cause is going to be doing a middle school and high school park night right in the parking lot outside the church so you can drop your kids off and go have a settled time in God's Word as they go crazy. So it's going to be a good time. Last thing, dudes, guys, we're going to have a barbecue, and I know that all of you enjoy meat. So that's what we're going to do on, uh, there we go. That was more excited for that. I don't know. We should, we should check that. In, on July 17th at 4 p.m., we're going to have a men's barbecue, and we're going to spend time in God's Word, and we're going to worship Him. So those three things, babies, ladies, and men. Remember those things. Got it? Okay, awesome. Let's continue worshiping. Thank you, Tim. I want to read to you out of Psalm 100. It says, The Lord is good and His love endures forever and His faithfulness continues through all generations. And that is us. This is a promise for us. We are part of those generations uh, that He will be faithful to. Psalm 135 says, Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good and sing praise to His name, for it is lovely. And that is what we are here today to do, right? Bring praise to His name because He's lovely. Let's have you stand if you would. We're going to continue to worship His great name.
spend just a moment thinking about all that he's done for you, the ways that he's changed your life, the future that you have in front of you. Just give him thanks as a prayer. Yes, God. God, you are good. It's God, you're so good. You're so good to me. Amen. Can we give the Lord a round of applause? He's been good to you at all, right? sing this together. In the darkness we were waiting without hope and without light till from heaven you came running there was mercy in your eyes to fulfill the law and prophets to a virgin came the word from the throne of endless glory to a cradle in the to the other side knowing this was our salvation Jesus for us That stone was moved for good, for the Lamb had conquered death. And the dead was from their tombs, and the angels stood in awe. For the souls of all who come to the Father of
one time this morning that you sing it. today. Jesus, you are worthy of all the glory. Holy Spirit, worthy of all the glory. One day we will understand, we will fully see you as you are, Father. We will bow down low because we recognize that we are not worthy of any of this, of any of the blessings that you've given us. Eternal life. Wow. Your word says to be thankful above all, that our names are recorded in the book of life, no matter what happens on earth, be thankful for that, that we are. God, help us to see it, grab a hold of it. It's life-changing. We're so thankful that we have the opportunity to gather like this. We do not take it for granted. God, I would pray that you'd help us to hear from your word today. I pray that Pastor uh, Pete would be your mouthpiece. You'd flow through him and do what it is that you need to do in us today. Christ's precious name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning, church. Man, it's so good to be with you this morning. And again, if you're a guest, thank you so much for uh, joining us for worship this morning. And we're going to turn our attention now to God's Word as we're in the third week of our series, The Fundamentals of the Faith. So if you have a copy of the Bible, I want to ask you to take it out or turn it on and find your way to the Gospel of John, chapter 14. As you do, I want to tell you something. This is a football. (laughs) Those words were uttered by the historic and legendary coach Vince Lombardi the very first day of training camp, 1961. The Green Bay Packers a few months earlier had lost a fourth quarter lead in the Super Bowl. And although most of that team returned to the first day of training camp, believing they were the best team, believing they were going to win, and believing they needed to pick up right where they left off, Vince had an idea. He believed that in order for that team to actually be successful, they would have to go back to the basics, back to the fundamentals. And so in front of all of these football players, in front of all these men, many of whom would become Hall of Famers. He held up a football and told these professional athletes, this is a football. They worked on blocking, they worked on tackling, every day in practice, they went over the fundamentals that these men had learned as boys with a smile on their face, sometimes they would jokingly say to their coach, Coach, slow down, you're going too fast for us, as he taught them something they had learned as kids. But they would go on that year to win the Super Bowl. Vince Lombardi's teams never lost another playoff game, won many Super Bowls, and many coaches since have adopted this 
principle, it's important to know the fundamentals. Do you believe that's true? The reason that I wanted to share that this morning is because we're going to be talking about the Holy Spirit. Now, the Holy Spirit is God. And like we mentioned last week, as we talked about God the Father, there is so much that, that there is to know about God that we in our finite human minds cannot understand and comprehend all that God is. And so we can't accomplish that this morning, but we can look at some of the fundamentals about the Holy Spirit and what it means to live a Spirit-filled life. For some of you this morning might seem very fundamental, very basic, but I assure you whether you are an unbeliever, meaning you don't have a relationship with Jesus and perhaps today is the first time you're going to hear about the Holy Spirit, or for some of you who have been saved for decades, this is important and good for us to review. It's important and good for us to know because throughout life, it's a focus on the fundamentals that often determines results. And the key to living a spirit-filled life is understanding your relationship with the Holy Spirit. I mean, we just sang songs that repeatedly mention the reality of the Holy Spirit. But oftentimes when we even bring up that topic in church, it can make us feel uncomfortable or uneasy. Uh, there's many reasons why that might be. Um, for one, it's, it's controversial. Depending, Even in this room, I'm sure there are different beliefs and different conclusions about the Holy Spirit, who He is, what He does, what that looks like. For some of us, it's confusing. We understand God. We've, we've heard about there's a God and and last week we looked at God the Father. We see all this scripture dedicated to God the Father. And we know about Jesus. He came to earth, God in the flesh, took in on human form. And, and many of his words and actions are recorded for us in the Bible. But the Holy Spirit, we are told, is, is co-equal with God, is, is eternal, is, is just as much God as the Father and the Son. And yet maybe we're not as familiar with who the Holy Spirit is. And so we don't understand. But for some, we get uneasy when we talk about the Holy Spirit because it's convicting. Because every time we begin to explore the Holy Spirit or begin to seek out what, what the Holy Spirit is at work doing in our lives and what we should be doing in response to His prompting and His leading, we get a little bit uncomfortable because when we read it in the Scriptures, we see that when the Holy Spirit starts to move, He actually draws people oftentimes outside their comfort zone. So if I don't want to get outside my comfort zone, it might be just easier for me to just not even bother with the Holy Spirit. Just let him be, let him do what he's doing, and not really explore. But avoiding this topic will actually keep us from experiencing his presence and his power. If you believed in Jesus for your salvation, the Bible tells us that you've been baptized with the Holy Spirit. That means that he, the Spirit of God, now takes resident inside of you. He tabernacles inside of you is, is some of the wording that we see in Scripture. That is, at the moment you believe, you are sealed with the Holy Spirit, and we believe that is forever. And so you have this power now living inside, the same power that was at creation. When we read in Genesis, and it says the Spirit of God hovered over the formless world. The same spirit that is given credit for raising Jesus back from the dead now lives inside of you. But that is different than living a spirit-filled life. We're going to talk about what that means. What is the difference here? Oswald Chambers said, The spirit is the first power we practically experience in our lives, but the last power we come to understand. The spirit of God is very much involved in our 
salvation. The Bible tells us it's the Spirit of God that opens our eyes and gives us understanding to what the Scriptures are actually saying. Gives us spiritual understanding. It's the Holy Spirit that draws us to place our faith in Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that indwells us and regenerates us and puts in us this eternal life. And yet, we might not really understand who he is and what he does. In a book that I know many of you have read if you've been attending Salem Heights for uh, decades, The Wonderful Spirit-Filled Life, Charles Stanley says this in the very first chapter of that book. For too many believers, the Christian life boils down to simply doing the best they can. There is no dynamic, no power, and there is no real distinctive that can be attributed to anything other than discipline and determination. I meet believers all the time whose doctrine can be summed up in two statements. Nobody's perfect. God understands. Is that you this morning? You have maybe come to place your faith in Jesus. You understand that you are a sinner in need of a Savior, and you see Jesus as being the only solution to that sin problem, and yet now you are living functionally trying to be a good Christian. I think there's a lot of us who rely more on our our own self-determination to become like Jesus, to do things that please God, apart from the power that actually that accomplishes that in our lives. And what does that lead to? It leads to spiritual drought. It leads to spiritual discouragement. It leads to this sense that a kind of apathy, like, yeah, I mean, I'm doing the best I can, and God's gracious and forgiving, but this is as good as it could be. I'm here to tell you this morning, that is a lie. You are not left to your best. His best lives in you if you believe in the gospel. And so this morning, I want to look at what Jesus had to say about the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 14, Jesus is with his disciples the night before he is going to be crucified, and he's giving them some last teaching. Now, the idea of him going away, he's telling his men, I'm leaving. The time for me to to be crucified and return to heaven has come. This would have been devastating news to his followers, who looked to him to be the one that was going to come in and rule with the sword, who was going to set up his earthly kingdom, and they would be under him, and they would be on his team, and they would be part of that leadership. And now he is saying he's going to be crucified, he's going away. That would be devastating. And yet here, throughout chapters 14, 15, and 16, Jesus tells them that he's not going to leave them as orphans, but he's going to send a helper, the Holy Spirit. And what Jesus is going to try to communicate to them, and what I hope that we can get this morning, if we walk away and there's only one thing that you can remember from what I'm sharing this morning, it would, I would want it to be this. The Holy Spirit is not an impersonal power to be harnessed, but the presence of God that dwells powerfully within a believer. So, what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read several sections out of chapters 14, 15 and 16, and see what Jesus taught us about our helper, the Holy Spirit. So would you stand with me? We're going to start in John chapter 14, verse 15. 
If you're ready, say ready. ready. This is the word of the Lord. Jesus is speaking here and he says, If you love me, you will keep my commands. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world is unable to receive him because it doesn't see him and know him. But you do know him because he remains with you and will be in you. Look down at verse 25. Jesus goes on to give more information. He says, I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you, but the Counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Jump a little further ahead to chapter 15, verse 26. This is the same talk that Jesus is giving his followers, and he he gives a little bit more information about the Holy Spirit. In verse 26 of chapter 15, Jesus says, When the Counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And then we see one more thing in in chapter 16, starting in verse 7. Jesus says this, Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me. About righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I still have many things to tell you, but you can't bear them now. When the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own, but he will speak whatever he hears. He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify me because he will, take from, uh, he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. Do you believe Jesus taught us those things about the Holy Spirit? Amen. He did. You may be seated. I spent some time thinking about a succinct definition of what the Spirit-filled life is. Because we are called as believers to live a spirit-filled life. So what does that mean? I believe it means that a spirit-filled life is one that is consistently presenting and submitting themselves to the Holy Spirit. Allowing Him to supernaturally produce Christ-like activity in us. I want to read that again because I think this is important to understand. What does it mean to live a spirit-filled life? It means that I'm consistently presenting and submitting myself to the Holy Spirit, allowing Him to supernaturally produce Christ-like activity in us. The Bible calls this activity fruit. You guys probably have heard that, the fruit of the Spirit. All these qualities that only the Lord, through the Holy Spirit, can produce in our lives. Now, the Scriptures do differentiate between what is known as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what takes place when you first believe in the gospel and you are saved. The Holy Spirit comes inside of you. He seals you. He's a guarantee of our inheritance. And then the filling of the Holy Spirit is something different. Now, if you want to see more notes than I can go over right now in our message, I'm happy to send you the section from our class, Fundamentals of the Faith, that gives Scripture and shows a really clear comparison between baptism versus filling and all the Scripture that goes with this. But I want you to hear this. What does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? When we hear that in Scripture, it's not talking about that time when we are saved and the Spirit comes in for the very first time. And understanding the Greek 
helps us here. Now, Greek was the language that the New Testament was written in. Because that word in the Greek is an imperative present passive verb. Now, that's a lot of big language. What does that mean? Well, an imperative is a command. Okay, so you are told, be filled. This is not optional. As a believer, if you're a follower of Christ, you are called to be filled with the Spirit. Be filled by Him. The present tense means that this is happening now, but it's meant to be an ongoing thing. It's not just a one-time thing that takes place. So you are called to be filled now and continue to be filled moving forward by the Holy Spirit. But that passive voice is the important one for us to understand. It kind of ties in what we've already said this morning about what the Holy Spirit does. Because the passive voice here means that this is something that we are to let happen to us rather than something we are to go do ourselves. This is key. To be filled with the Spirit is not optional. We are called to be filled by the Holy Spirit, but we are to do this. It's not just a one-time thing. It's supposed to be the rest of our lives. We are to be allowing the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, to let Him do the work, not us. That's why when we see that list of the Spirit or the fruit of the Spirit, and we look at it, we see love, joy, peace, patience. We see all those things, and we go, yeah, I'm doing pretty good here, but man, I really got to work on you know, becoming more patient. You can't. It's spirit-produced. But you can't let him. And that's what I want to focus on this morning. Because I see, what I see here in John is you see these distraught disciples going, you're leaving? Things are just getting started. Where are you going? How are we going to do this without you? And Jesus, being a, a loving Savior, says, I'm not going to just leave you on your own to carry out what I'm about to accomplish for you. I'm going to give you my spirit to help you. And he begins to tell us all the ways that the Spirit, if we will present ourselves to him and let him continue to use his power effectively in our lives, what he will do for us. And these are things that you cannot accomplish or you cannot gain, you can't grab a hold of on your own. And so I want to look at what Jesus says about the Holy Spirit and how he helps us live a Spirit-filled life. Let's look at the first one. Back in John chapter 14, verse 16 Jesus says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The first thing the Holy Spirit does for us is that he is a counselor. He counsels us. What this means is that without the Holy Spirit, you and I are unable to live in obedience to the Father. Do you understand that? You might be able to do a couple of the things you see in Scripture, but consistent Faithful obedience to God is impossible in your own strength. You need the Spirit to help you do that. That's a, that's a, that's a uh, kind of a humbling reality, and yet this is an awesome truth. That the Holy Spirit that, that the Father was going to send at the Son's request and now lives inside of us who believe, we have this counselor. Now, some of your Bibles use different words to interpret, uh, to translate this word from the Greek, uh, some say helper, some say comforter, some say advocate. But the word in the Greek literally means one who comes alongside and assists. Now, I want you to notice here in the text, it says he will give you another counselor. Some have said, see, this is, the Holy Spirit isn't Christ. He's someone different. But if you understand that in the Greek, this word for another, alos, literally means one of the same kind. I'm not sending someone different or someone good. I'm sending my spirit. The same as me is now going to come. We read where it said, this is actually for your benefit. 
that it's actually to your benefit that I go away so that the Holy Spirit can come because the Holy Spirit inside of you is better than me right next to you. The Holy Spirit is in you. Wherever you go, I will be there helping you, assisting you along the way. One author described it like this. Right now, imagine what it would be like to have Christ standing beside you in the flesh, functioning as your personal counselor. Imagine the peace that would come from knowing you would always receive perfect truth and flawless direction from him. That sounds amazing. And none of us could deny the benefit of having Jesus physically guiding and enabling every step we take. Yet why do we assume that it would be any better than the literal presence of the Holy Spirit? Have you ever thought that? Man, if Jesus was right here, it would be so much easier. He could just point and direct and encourage. He's here. His Spirit is in those who believe. That power dwells in you. Jesus said, it's for your benefit that I go away because the one I'm going to send is going to be with you forever. I don't know if you've ever found yourself in times where you're going through a trial or a struggle or a low point and you feel pretty lonely, like no one understands, not knowing who to reach out to, not knowing if anyone would really truly come alongside and walk with you through the duration of the struggle, I'm here to tell you the Holy Spirit is here. He's not in this room. You don't come to church to to kind of tap into the presence, and he's not far off doing something else, and we've got to call him and invite him in here. He literally lives inside of us who are believers. Wherever I go, he is there. amazing truth he's our counselor but then jesus shows us in verse 26 that he will be a teacher he says but the counselor the holy spirit whom the father will send in my name will teach you all things the holy spirit teaches us because without him we are unable to understand spiritual things that's why sometimes maybe you remember before you were saved you could read the bible or someone could tell you a bible verse and it just did not make sense it didn't connect you were like that's kind of confusing Or, okay, I understand what it's saying, but I just, okay, next page. The Bible tells us in Ephesians that we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate the scriptures. It literally is like, it's darkness, and then the Holy Spirit comes in and goes, spotlight on that text, and we finally see it. What's amazing about that is that doesn't just take place the first time we read the scriptures after being saved. This is one of the promises for the rest of our lives because he's going to be with us forever. That you and I can continue to read the same passages over and over again. And the Holy Spirit's going, did you see this? Did you see this? Did you see this? It's been there the whole time, but I got to help you see it. And that's one of the things that we're encouraged by, that when I can read the Bible, it's never going to get stale or dry or be out of date. Why? Because the Holy Spirit's going to continue to peel the onion right before my eyes. And like sometimes when we peel an onion, it might bring us to tears. (laughs) He is our teacher. J.D. Greer in his book on the Holy Spirit says this, the Spirit takes takes God's timeless truths and makes them come alive in us. He helps us understand them. He shows us how to implement them. He empowers us to accomplish them. He transforms task lists into a relationship. Man, I'm thankful for that. Because there was still much to be read, um, written and read. 
Jesus is here speaking to the disciples. The Bible wasn't completed yet, and he's saying, I'm going to go from you. I'm going to continue to teach you through my Holy Spirit. I'm going to continue to give you understanding of my word as it is written, both for you and those to come after you. The third thing Jesus highlights about the Holy Spirit is that he reminds us. Going back to verse 26, he says, The Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Jesus is highlighting that without the Holy Spirit, we would forget what we've already been taught. Has that ever happened to you? If you're a parent, you see this daily in your house. But what this means is that supernaturally, meaning outside of our ability, but possible because of the Spirit of God living inside of us, He can help recall truths that we learned in the past that we're not even thinking about, but he can bring it to mind at just the right moment. Has that ever happened to you? You're in a situation and a, and a Bible verse pops into your head? That's not just coincidence. And that's not just because good spiritual training and discipline. That's the Holy Spirit at work. This is why, even though sometimes when we come to church, we might not get all, a lot out of the sermon, or man, we don't leave really. You know, some Sundays it's like, man, I'm fired up. That was amazing. And other Sundays we're like, what's for lunch? It's still important that we come and we sit under the preaching of God's word. And we continue to read God's word for ourselves and put it to memory and study it and put it in there. Because that is what God will bring to mind. You're putting tools in the toolbox. Some of you guys maybe have seen some of these, uh, these ships or these planes during the wartime. And they had the gunners that would be there to defend that ship or defend that plane. And they'd have a big gun that would sit there. And they would have it right next to a huge box of ammunition that was fed in automatically. So that when they pulled the trigger, they were ready to shoot. Those are powerful guns. But that gunner is relying that there's a stash of ammunition there so that when he's ready to squeeze the trigger, something's going to happen. Because without ammunition, the most powerful guns are powerless. I believe that putting the word of God into our minds, putting the word of God into our hearts, being able to read it, to study, even if we don't remember all the Bible verses, even if we don't remember what chapter or what verse it is, is we're putting that in there that the Holy Spirit then has something that when, we, when he's walking alongside us and we need truth, we need encouragement, we need wisdom, we need guidance. He's like, here, remember, I'll dig that out of the far backs of your memory. Boom. But if we're not in the word, if we're not sitting under the word, if we're not taking in the word, can God still do that? Yes, because he's God. But he's asking us to do that. He's going to help remind us. The Holy Spirit also is going to testify to us. In chapter 15, verse 26, we read this. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. Now, at first glance, this verse is a little bit hard to understand. And, and I know today we're not able to read the whole context of chapters 14, 15, and 16. But if you were to look just before this in chapter 15, Jesus is predicting persecution for his followers. That they're going to be persecuted for keeping his word. And what Jesus is telling his followers 
is that the Holy Spirit will be the one who's going to testify about Christ in those moments to you. Have you ever found yourself in a moment of persecution or a season of trial and you began to doubt God's goodness, doubt God's love, doubt God's power to actually do anything about the physical reality you find yourself in? I believe if you are honest, you would all say yes. The flesh battles that with the spirit and the spirit with the flesh. And there are going to be moments where difficulties challenge your faith. And what Jesus is saying is, I'm not going to just have you rely on yourself. You know, be faithful. Don't forget. No, I'm going to be there. I'm going to remind you of what Christ has done, who he is, what he's currently doing. Because did you know Jesus is alive? He's alive. The Holy Spirit is alive in us. And so in those moments, the Holy Spirit's going to be the one that testifies and says, hey, don't forget. Don't forget. Everything Jesus said, everything he did, everything he promised is true. Stay faithful. Keep your eyes on him. But there's more. In chapter 16, Jesus tells us that the Holy Spirit will convict us. This is an interesting one. But what this means is that without him, our evangelism would be weak and ineffective. He references the world here. It says in verse 7 of chapter 16, Nevertheless, I am telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, he will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world, notice that, about sin, righteousness, and judgment. We are called to be ambassadors, right? We're called to make disciples. We're called to go out and tell about Jesus and the gospel. But now he's going to give us the Holy Spirit that's going to be the one that helps cause that to actually come to life. Scripture tells us that all we are doing by being faithful to our instructions to tell others about Jesus is planting seed and watering that seed, but it's only God through the power of the Holy Spirit that causes that seed to come to life and result in salvation and the forgiveness of sins. And so the Holy Spirit is going to be the one that through us convicts the world, through that testimony of the true gospel, through the testimony of the word of God. He will, he will open the eyes and bring the light, the sin of unbelief. He will open the eyes and, and show the, the sinful man the righteousness of Christ. And he will reveal through the testimony of God's word and through our testimonies of faithful servants the judgment of Satan that is going to come has already been determined. He's already been defeated. Warren Wiersbe, in his commentary on this passage, this part of, of the message, says, There can be no conversion without conviction, and there can be no conviction apart from the Spirit of God using the word of God and the witness of the child of God. So that, that conviction that he's going to use us for is not going to become because we're going to do a really good job of coming up with really smart arguments to try to twist somebody's arm into believing in Jesus. No, he says, be faithful and teach the word. Tell people about the gospel. And through that, the Spirit of God will convict them of their unbelief, will reveal that Jesus is the righteous Savior. And he will say, this is the outcome for all those who follow the evil one. And there's one more. The Holy Spirit guides us. 
says in verse 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth, for He will not speak on His own, but will speak whatever He hears. And He will also declare to you what is to come. He will glorify Me, because He will take from what is Mine and declare it to you. He guides us in truth. Jesus is telling us that without the Holy Spirit, we are prone to stray from the truth. Maybe you guys remember that hymn, Come Thou Fount of Every Blessing. That line, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. That, that, that songwriter is just indicating this reality that a lot of us face. It's like, man, we can be, things been going really, really good. You know, we're, we're in the Word, we're attending church, we're, we're talking about the Lord, we're serving, and yet, man, I just find myself time and time again getting distracted and kind of starting to veer away from the Lord. I think why that song's such a familiar hymn and one that's sung with so much fervor is because we can relate to that. And what does he say? The Holy Spirit is the one I'm going to place inside of you who's going to help guide you. Back in chapter 14, uh, it talks about how the Holy Spirit was going to come. And it says in verse 23, Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, he will keep my word. My Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. I have three kids, and I'm right in the thick of parenting. And, I, and we, you know, they're of the age where they can actually be of some good use in our house. <laughs> and so we're teaching them responsibility, and there's chores, and they're helping out with things. But if you've been a parent or a grandparent or just been around kids, you know this is the case, that I can say, hey, I want you to go do the dishes. And that might not translate, right? Because to them, to me, do the dishes is I'm taking every dirty dish I can find in the entire house. I'm placing it in the dishwasher in an appropriate way, not upside down. And and then I'm going to wipe down the counter, make sure the sink is rinsed out, and then I'm done with the job. But to them, they hear do the dishes is, hey, take that cup next to you and go put it on the counter next to the sink above the dishwasher, right? Right? Now, I'm not calling my kids out. They'll be here next service, and I'll totally change this illustration. But what I'm here to say (laughs) is how many times do I have to go, hey, that seemed to happen really, really quick. Hey, vacuum the house. You hear it for five minutes. Did you vacuum the whole house? Yeah. Well, let's take a walk around the house and see what we find. And we're like, hey, uh, that's literally almost another creature living there in dust bunnies. How did we miss that? Oh, yeah, Hey, let me go plug that back in for you. <laughs> what, what am I doing? I, I'm guiding them in truth. I'm walking alongside, say, hey, what about this? Hey, I think we need to spend more time here. Uh, this isn't finished yet. This is what the Holy Spirit does for us. He dwells in us. And through that, that power inside of us and that connection that we now have, that intimacy of being in Christ and He is in me, He's guiding me in truth. Hey, you're walking over there. Hey, hey, stay away from that. That's not good. Hey, no, no, focus on this. This is what we need. He's, he's prompting and he's prodding in our lives. You see, the key to living the spiritful life is looking to the Holy Spirit to perform these functions in your life rather than yourself or others. We are called to be filled with the Spirit. That literally means there shouldn't be anything else in our lives influencing how we think and act. 
completely presenting myself to the Lord and submitting myself for him to do this in my life. But sometimes we will look to other people for our counsel. And we have an amazing biblical counseling ministry here, and and that's good, but those counselors are just going to point you back to the Word so the Spirit of God can bring that to light and help. But sometimes we'll look to other people to counsel us or to guide us or to you know, be the one to help us with our, our decision-making. And he's saying, no, the spirit-filled person doesn't look anywhere else before they first go to God. And they present themselves and say, Lord, here I am. Do the work in me to make me more like your son. Because I can't do it on my own. So how do you know when the spirit's at work? See, I think that's one of the questions, and if I'm honest, just growing up in the the traditions that I grew up in, the the Holy Spirit talk was a little bit unnerving because uh, there there were those that we thought, man, they were totally misusing what the Holy Spirit is and does and that kind of stuff, and so kind of took a a certain approach to it. But I do think this is an important thing for us to understand because I think when we talk about, hey, I want to be more... Uh, aware of the Spirit of God. I want to be more energized by the Spirit of God. I want to be filled. I want, I want to experience that Spirit-filled life. Well, how do I know what, what is actually the Spirit of God and what might be something else? I think this is an important question for us to answer this morning. See, the concern is, is that I might claim something is of the Lord when it actually isn't. Do you know that we can manufacture things that kind of look like godliness, but actually are void of all the power that comes from the Spirit if we're not careful? So how do we prevent ourselves from that? How do we know that this is truly the Spirit of God? And then we sit there and we stay there and we let the Spirit of God continue to, to use us or maybe even move us forward. Well, the answer to that question is this. The Word of God gives us clarity on how to discern what is actually of the Spirit versus that which isn't. The Spirit of God, according to the Scriptures, never operates independent or in contradiction to the Word. Remember what what Jesus said about this, the Holy Spirit, in John 14, verse 16, he says, the Spirit of truth. And a few chapters later, John records that Jesus said, your Word is truth, So the Holy Spirit of God is always going to work in concert with what the Scriptures say. And this is what we use. One author said it like this, We need to base our understanding and experience with the Holy Spirit on biblical truth and not on fear. So what does that mean to me? And what I want us to hear this morning is we need to be careful not to be quick, too quick to say that's not the Holy Spirit, that's not God. And yet we have to be discerning enough and know the word of God enough and hold this close enough to say, based on this, that is of the Lord. Let the word of God and the spirit of God inform us to what he is doing rather than to just make declarations and judge too quickly. But he has given us his word and he's given us his spirit. So there's no excuse for us to get it wrong if we are truly submitting to this and letting this tell us this is of the Lord. This is what the spirit's doing. This is what he's about. And I do not believe that he's called us to do that in the audience of one. I think he's called us as the believers to, to talk and to edify and to share and let us all come around. Let us gather together around the scriptures and let it inform us of what the Holy Spirit is doing. That's what the leadership team here at Salem Heights Church does. 
when we gather together to make decisions and to pray for the church, we make decisions in unity. If we're not in 100% unity, we don't make that decision. And we pray and we wait and we seek the Lord and we go to his word and we let that guide us and direct our steps. And if someone makes the statement, I believe the Lord is leading us to do that. We investigate that. We go to the scriptures. We pray and we seek God to unify us because the spirit of God inside of all of us is a spirit of unity. We believe in this truth. So what about you this morning? When was the last time you undeniably saw the spirit at work in you or around you? 2 Peter 1.3 says, His divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. That means that everything you need to experience the power of God in your life, to allow Him transform you into the image of Jesus, to produce this spiritual fruit life, to be the only thing in your life that influences you, that counsels you, that teaches you, that reminds you, that guides you, that convicts you, It's already inside of you if you believe believe in the Lord, if you believed in the gospel. So what about you? Are you experiencing that spirit-filled life? If you're not, can I make a suggestion? And this isn't original to me. One pastor put it like this. Here's the bottom line. You will never be full of the spirit so long as you are full of yourself. Perhaps the reason why you're not experiencing that power that dwells inside of you, seeing that spiritual fruit produced in your life, is because you're relying more on yourself than on God. Jesus would say in this very section of of teaching in John 15, 5, a very familiar verse, I am the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. He goes on to say here in John chapter 14, verse 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Don't let your heart be troubled or fearful. There is a peace that comes from living the Spirit-filled life. It's different than the peace the world offers because it's not requiring me to be my best The peace that God offers allows me to live on his best and allow his spirit to produce in me the spirit-filled life. And that spirit of God is inside of you forever, and it never diminishes. It never needs to be recharged, replaced. It's fully available to you. Every day, you will take breath. So how will you let the Holy Spirit guide you this week? In Luke 11, Jesus said this, What father among you, if a son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give you the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? My charge to us this week is that we would pursue that spirit-filled life. 
The potential's there. But it requires us not doing more. It requires us to submit more to him, to turn to him. Let him be our teacher. Let him be our counselor. Let him be our guide every day with everything. Would you pray with me? Father God, we are so thankful for the gift of the Holy Spirit. And God, we see in Scripture that not only does the Holy Spirit remind us of truth and and allow it to be something that we can live each day, but God, your Holy Spirit helps us live. And so God, I pray, we ask now that you would allow us to walk in Him, that you would help us to, to live that spirit-filled life, that you would cause us not to try to do it on our own, but that we would let you fill us, that you would let us, let you guide us. God, we thank you for the Holy Spirit. We thank you for this potential. And we allow, I pray that these promises this morning would leave us encouraged and, can, and challenged. We pray this in your son's name. Amen. As we are guided by the Spirit, I think sometimes we just need a reminder of those things that we believe. And so we're going to sing just a couple of reminders about the truths that we believe in in our faith. Father everlasting, the all-creating one, God Almighty. Through your Holy Spirit, conceiving Christ the Son, Jesus our Savior. Sing, I believe. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Our judge and our defender suffered and crucified. Forgiveness is in you. Descended into darkness, you rose in glorious light. Forever seated high. I believe in God our Father. I believe in Christ the Son, I believe in the Holy Spirit, our God is three in one. I believe in the resurrection, that we will rise again, for I believe in the name of Jesus. Jesus Christ. 
Sing out these things if you believe them. Sing. I believe in life eternal. I believe in the virgin birth. I believe in the saints' communion and in your holy church. I believe in the resurrection when Jesus comes again. For I believe in the name of Jesus. For I believe in the name of Jesus. Amen. You believe those things? You guys are dismissed.
is God, you are good. God, you are good. And God, you are good. Is God, you're so good. Yes, you're so I believe. I believe. 